A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of the Evening Standard and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. So, what makes a £200 million footballer? Skill, style, sustained brilliance, the sort of stardust that sells shirts from Paris to Phoenix, Arizona, via Bangkok and Bulawayo. His future's still up in the air, but daft as it sounds, Neymar would be a bargain, wouldn't he, Tony? 200 million bargain? Well, I tell you what, inflation's gone wild. <laughs> um, I, I think he'd be a bargain for Paris Saint-Germain in the sense that he'd give them even more credibility than they've got now. They are desperate to win a Champions League, which Ibrahimovic couldn't lead them to. I wonder whether centering the team around one superstar actually will work doing that eventually. Maybe it'd be better to get more balance. But you can see the logic in it in, in, in cold hard business terms. I personally am not sure Neymar's quite as dominant. We'll get to see if he does move. Quite as dominant outside the Barcelona team. I mean, he's almost third fiddle to Messi and Suarez. So it seems an awful lot of money to me, but Given the amount of money that's sloshing around in the game, we're going to see this sort of thing with regularity before long. Mm, yeah, where are we going with this, Tom? You know, we are talking, even in this deal, if it goes through now, I know Gerard Piquet's been tweeting, he stays, so that's the PR from their side. You're talking about a, a yearly salary of around about £35 million if it goes through. Where are we going with this? Uh, it's difficult to say, Mike, because I don't think there is an end with it. I mean, uh, mm. listening to Richard Scudamore's comments out in uh, Asia, he's out at the, the Barclays Asia Trophy uh, the last few days talking about this exact matter, and he's saying that, you know, while ever this money is coming into the game, it's only going to keep exploding, and, and the wage levels and the transfer fees are going to keep on rising. Mm. Now, the traditional broadcasters may struggle to keep up with that money, but we've got all this other influx of cash just waiting to come into the mm. game when we, with digital media now uh, looking to get involved as well. So while ever they're outbidding the traditional broadcasters who themselves have, have you know, moved the game along so much mm. and invested so heavily in it, it I, I just do not see where it are, ends. Are we frankly. close to a million pound a week footballer? I think that'll be after the next television deal. So I think it'll be uh, in 2020, 2021. But, you know, with, I mean, there's talk of Google, Netflix, Amazon, all circling the game. 
the bubble's not going to burst. No. In fact, it's only going to get bigger. You only have to see in the States with the NFL, uh, Twitter showed, I think it was 10 games at around a mm. million dollars each per mm. game last mm. year. Now, Twitter, compared to Facebook, I wouldn't use the word small fry, but there's mm. a, a huge difference in Facebook. So if Facebook come in and start spending big money on it, you know, it just takes it to a whole different level. I think mm. the, the, the one thing I just want to pick up on, uh, Tony used the word logic uh, in the Neymar deal. I, I see the logic from PSG. I just don't see the logic from the players' point of view. You know, why no. why go to Paris when you, you're playing for Barcelona, you're playing for arguably the biggest and best football club on the planet in, in packed mm. stadiums against great sides? You go to Paris and it's just a cakewalk week yeah. after week. But you've got, a, you've got a big Brazilian contingent there, haven't you, in terms of the players? And maybe he just wants an easy life. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and pot loads of money. But, you know, he's young enough to be the heir apparent to Messi. You know, Messi can't go on forever, and you know they, they, they could build that team around him. It does seem a strange sort of move to me from his point of view. Um, and perhaps he thinks PSG are going to be one of the teams of the next decade. I can't see that myself. They're, they're a lovely, everything, every time I've seen PSG in recent years, they're a lovely team to watch. I mean, you know, they've, they've been superb when we've seen them over here in Champions League games. So, from that perspective, you know, yes, on, a, on, a, on the European scale, they, they will be one of the dominant forces. But week after week, you know, you can't just get excited for those, mm. you know, that odd game in, in the Champions League when week after week you're playing against teams that just aren't going to challenge you in any way. Here's the irony. PSG have got, what, the big six months want an easy ride in their own division so they can excel in Europe and yeah. the Champions League, which they're not doing. Uh, I, I think if I, was, uh, if I was one of the owners or chairman of the top six English clubs, I'd look at PSG and think, maybe competition in my own division's better. Yeah, but if you look at the top six, they're all in Europe this season, so they've all got a lot of demands on their plate. just want to dwell on, you know, we, we are in the, the realms of if, but, maybe on the, on the Neymar deal, but a transfer like that, a mega transfer like that will have a ripple effect, a domino effect. Let's just say that that Neymar deal goes through. Liverpool will come under immediate pressure to sell Philip Coutinho. You know, talk, there's already talk of a, another bid of 80 million from Barcelona. There will come a point where they're going to have to sell. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, it's all right bullying Southampton and trying to bully Leipzig. But, you know, all of a sudden, like, uh, the big kid in the playground comes along and pushes you around. And I think it's, it'll be a sobering, if it does happen, it'll be a sobering situation for Liverpool and Liverpool fans to realise where they are in the pecking order. You know, when Barcelona come calling, it's very hard to say no, especially with the amount of money they offer and what they offer the player. I think it's more a sign of the inflation with Coutinho, if they do come in for that, than, than actually Neymar. Neymar's at least won trophies and proved it. Coutinho still isn't the finished product. Mm. And he could probably do with another year or two in the Premier League to develop. I mean, he, he hasn't dominated games. It's not like Suarez. Suarez had that season where you know, everyone just looked at him and went, well, you know, th this is clearly a world-class player. Mm. I think Coutinho was not quite as near to that yet. But... As you say, you'll just be another domino in this. And we're, we're quite focused and centric on Britain and the Premier League, aren't we, as mm. well? And, you know, this is a player from Latin America. Now, growing up in Latin America, what's what's going to be the biggest draw for you? You know, going to play for Barcelona mm. or playing for Liverpool. Now, he's played for Liverpool. He's played very, very well for Liverpool as well. But it's that next step. And I, I just wonder, you know, the, 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 Tony and, and you might, you, you know, we all speak to people in and around uh, in and around Liverpool, in and around all the clubs and, I, and in and around the players as well, more importantly. And mm. I, I just wonder, 
wonder, from what I'm being told, whether Coutinho is quite as happy to stay at Liverpool if Barcelona do come knocking as, as Liverpool. Are we going to have another league. Suarez situation? Well, it's different, isn't it? Because there is no buyout clause in there. It is possible. I mean, I think if it does happen, Liverpool will try and dig the heels in. I mean, John Emery, the owner, over Suarez, essentially said to Per Guardiola, his agent, you go and get your lawyers, I'll get mine. And, um, <laughs> and, and manage to, to, to bluff it out. I think they'll make another attempt. I think it'll be more difficult this time. And um, Although I don't think Coutinho is the type of player with down tools. Mm-hmm. Is he being played in the right position? Well, I, I, I kind of think he should be more central, personally. Of course, I don't pick the team. But I think he'd be much more effective when he can go both ways. When, he's, when they've played him towards the left, you know, he, he's cutting inside all the time, which makes it easier to play. I think playing in La Liga would be different for him as well. I mean, he's quite good in the hurly-burly madness of the Premier League in that when people fling themselves at him, that's when he does them. He goes, he's, he's quick, he's off. I think in Spain, they wouldn't fly at him so much. That they'd, uh, they'd probably just try and block him off, get closer to him, stand on his foot. And he has been a little bit injury-prone. Mm. And Liverpool are trading very carefully now about that Van Dijk. You know, basically saying, we won't make any move until we know he's for sale. Yeah. Southampton have left for their week-long training camp in France today. Van Dijk's not going with them. Surprise, surprise. Do you expect that deal to go through, Tom? I do, yeah. I mean, um, look, from a journalistic perspective, it was great for us when clearly the boys were being briefed a few weeks ago mm. that the Van Dyke deal was done. And then, you know, we need to, we like the transparency from clubs. So um, when, when they. Someone should have briefed Southampton. Well, someone should have told us that. Yeah, as if Southampton didn't know. I mean, Southampton have played it very cleverly. They've, yeah, they've yeah. you know, they've, they've come out very publicly. Oh, we're so hurt. I mean, I think the three of us, the last time we were all together on this sofa, discussed the tapping up situation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're just playing a game. Wenger's been speaking about it over the weekend, yeah, and, he's he? abs- and, and he just said, you know, same, saying the same thing that we said. But but Southampton are playing this absolutely perfectly. Mm. The player is probably playing it perfectly as well with this whole, oh, my head's not in the right space to go and yeah. kick a football around or run around for on, a, on a, gra- a training ground for a few days somewhere abroad. But Liverpool now are playing it quite cute as well. It will get resolved. He will be a Liverpool player. I'll be absolutely shocked if he's not a Liverpool player yeah. by the time the transfer window closes. But this this is just Liverpool trying not to get the price driven up even more, but Southampton <laughs> trying to drive it's, it up. It's going to be driven up. Oh, and one one And especially while, while other, other transfers are going on, uh, like the Walker... Situation. Mm-hmm. If I was Southampton and you've just seen a right back oh, go yeah, for yeah. 55 million, then I'd be thinking, well, actually, that 50 million that we were talking about three or four weeks ago, let's just add another 10 million well, to that. Well, 50 million this week was 40 million three weeks beforehand, wasn't it? it it's, the, the inflation is, is just ridiculous. It's astronomical. Mm. Talking of Wenger, you know, he's talking a good game about keeping Alexis Sanchez. Do you actually believe all that? Do you know, uh, Wenger is from the most... And, and he believes it. You can tell he believes it. He's pure conviction. But the delusion there... Haven't we been here before? Fabregas? Nasri? I mean, Fabregas was heading out to the airport, wasn't he, to go to Barcelona? And Wenger was at press conference going, no, he's staying. And, like, um, I mean, obviously, Van Persie. And what happens is they put up a fight and then midway through August, there's a bit of panic and say, OK, yeah, we better let him go. Mm. Arsenal can't afford to take a 60 million-ish hit on Sanchez. You know, uh, letting them go next year for nothing is mad. Mm. And all this talk is, oh, you know, if, 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 if Arsenal do well, then maybe he'll stay. Well, he's free to negotiate his own deal, isn't he, after the 1st of January with foreign clubs and 
you know, you convert the, what would be the transfer fee into wages. Arsenal are never going to match that. It doesn't make any sense at all to keep him. And also, his body language mm. uh, last year was so awful. Mm. And he's part of Arsenal's problems. You know, everyone looks, oh, yeah, he's busy. You know, he gets on the ball, he makes things happen. He shoots from ridiculous positions. He doesn't pass the ball when he should. And when his teammates do something bad, he's like, <sighs> yeah. there's no leadership I, I, about I, I can't, him. I can't stand that. And if, if I was Wenger, I'd be doing my utmost to get Lamar in mm. and, and get the best money for Sanchez, but get him out and, and, and freshen things. And if he does go to PSG, it works because you're not selling to a direct rival. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bayern Munich with a club that we were told were interested in him to begin with, but that, that you know they soon balked at, at four hundred odd thousand pounds a week, didn't they? Mm. Um, I, I completely agree with Tony on this. You know, the, the body language last year, and then for him to complain and say, you know, I want to play for a club who's in the Champions League. Well, yeah. you should have done better, done more to get your club in the Champions League. A, then, mate. a team with Sanchez and Ozil in doesn't make the top four. That's a scandal. Mm. They should be mm. looking in the mirror, the pair of them, saying to themselves, you know. Why, why didn't that do better? They, mm. they should be leading teams to titles. They've got that much ability. Mm. But they've gone there. Jose Mourinho, never short of an opinion, has basically come out and said crazy prices are being paid for average players. Do you believe that? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and below average players <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the problem with Jose is as, as, as mad and at times dislikable as he is, he's often right. Um, and you don't have to like it, but in, in this case. Uh, but I would have thought that he could be one of the architects of the whole era of paying too much for average players. You know, because the clubs he's been involved with have generally thrown the money about as if they were drunken sailors. Mm. The, the one that stood out for me the other week, we were down at Bournemouth to see Nathan Ake. I'm nothing against Nathan Ake as a player, very good young prospect, mm. but he's a £5 million player for me. He's just joined Bournemouth for £20 million. Mm. Now, you know, how is Nathan Ake worth that much money? Yeah. Mm. But he is if it's, you know, comparative to, to everything else that's going but on. But you look at Real Madrid, they've sold two players who weren't in their starting eleven, Danilo and Morata for 100 million euros. Who's the fool in all this? Well, it's the Real Madrid mystique. And you know what? There's certain clubs as well that if you do a deal with them, you should check your fingers after you shake hands. <laughs> and Real Madrid are one of them. And um, it's scandalous that they've got that much money for them. It wouldn't surprise me if neither of them fulfills the, the sort of expectations. I disagree with that, actually. I, I mean, I think Morata... I think they've got a very good player, Chelsea, in, in Morata, and, and 65 million. If we're looking at Lukaku, 75 million pounds. Mm. Yes, Lukaku scored goals in the Premier League for three seasons running, but Morata is a Spain international. You know, this this kid can play, and it's not like he's being kept out of you know a, a, an average side. He's just mm. not played regularly at Real Madrid because they've got mm. uh, arguably the world's best player or the second best player in the world keeping him out. Of that and side. to be to be fair, did well at Juventus as well, didn't Absolutely, he? Absolutely, mm. yeah. So I, I yeah, I, but I think he is their second choice. But so much more. Let's no, be I, uh, no, no, I, I, I'd, I'd probably disagree talent. with that as well, Mike. I think there's so much of, of the phony war going on. I think Chelsea were very much in for Morata right from the start. There was always a feeling that United were ahead of them in the race to begin with because mm. United had, had probably been working on the deal or, or pushing for him for a, the last year or so. Mourinho had certainly been trying to work on that for a while. But my understanding is that they were in for Lukaku and mm. for Morata and it was very much Roman Abramovich had agreed to sanction the money for both of them if they could get them. I actually think Morata's movement and touch is better than Lukaku's mm. and in many ways he'll suit that team more. Oh, well, I mean, crack you're getting on the end of uh, crosses from Willian and Eden Hazard and mm. Pedro and with the likes of Mata working away behind him. I think it's a great signing for them. 
Mm. Where do you think Chelsea are going? You know, Conte has signed an improved contract, but still only a, so he's still got two years left. Mm. That's either not the greatest tribute and testament to his work, or it's an acknowledgement that in the real world he's only going to be around for a couple of years, like any modern manager. Well, Chelsea do things differently as well, don't they? I mean, they've um, since Mourinho left for the first time, they've created a system where, how should we put it, the manager is perhaps not quite as important as he thinks he should be. And, you know, we've seen the turnover in managers. And and I think Conte believed, certainly after the, after the renaissance last autumn, that come January and come the summer, he'd have a bit more say in the transfer business than perhaps he's got. But, you know, it's a... It, 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 it's a perennial problem at Chelsea. You know they've got the way they work, and sometimes managers will find it frustrating. One of, one of the interesting things about Conte is we haven't seen in the Premier League the more combustible sides of his personality. Um, he's, he's very combative and very very fractious, and I think he's. There's been various points in his Chelsea career where he's been. It'd be it'd be too far to say unhappy. But he's been a bit unsettled, and perhaps we haven't seen his anger at the full extent of it yet. Not, not the extent that Costa. I mean, I love the fact that he told Costa in in January. You know, when when that whole story, remember when it all broke and mm. it, it was sort of the water was poured on it a little bit at the time. But you know, he's now told everyone uh, on the pre-season tour. Yeah, that was when I told him he could go. Um, I, I I I quite like the the way Chelsea have done the business with with Conte because, and I, and I like the way that he's done it with them as well because I think yeah. What's the point in Chelsea handing out a five-year contract to someone? When was the last time any manager lasted longer than two or three years at Chelsea? So it's pointless from all sides. It's like, look, we'll reward you for the work you did last season, so there's your pay rise. You know, we all, we all know that within six months, if Chelsea are struggling or are there problems behind the scenes, then Conte will be gone anyway. So mm. the whole rigmarole of going through and signing a, a new contract would have just been absolutely pointless. Well, you look at what happened to the last Chelsea manager who won the title, you know, before the end of the next season, he was gone. Yeah, mm. yeah. What about, um, you know, there's a lot of stories around back end of last week, Matic going to Manchester United as a sort of £50 million favour. I, you know, football's an ego-driven business, isn't it? Are Chelsea really going to do that if they are perceived to have been the losers in the Lukaku deal? I can't see it being that, you know, a, a favour. I think the, the only reason they'd sell is if they think that, um, one, they don't need him, and two, he's not of the highest class to worry them too much when they play them. I mean, Matic is a little bit one-dimensional, you know, that's been recognised. I mean, after his first half season where he was superb, he got found out a little bit. He was good last year, but within a very, very rigid system. And, and Conte probably wants someone with a little bit more flexibility than him. So if that deal gets done, I, I think for all the talk of favours, there'll be smoke and mirrors there. Yeah, mm. I think they've the proved before when uh, Mata went to United, they're, they're not averse to selling players. Mourinho was always very outspoken about that, wasn't he? You know, why would I stand in someone's way if it's a player mm. that I'm happy to sell? He can go and play mm. anywhere for me. So, I, But I, I think with Matic, there, there was always... Ivanovic, we know he was always very close to Roman Abramovich. Matic and Ivanovic mm. are very close friends as well. So you can imagine, you know, there is there is a little bit of a, a favour and a respect. You know, you've done a good job. There is, there is. For a, us. There's, there's always been a Chelsea. But well, since Abramovich took over, he's always had his favourites. I mean, part of David Luiz coming back mm. was um, was you know was the, the, his relationship there. And they let Czech go to Arsenal, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 it's it's interesting if you look at the way Chelsea are working. We all know about all their young players now. 
they are being signed up this summer on relatively long contracts for about 2020, 2021, and then pushed out on loan. Zoom was a really good case in point. Mm. He signs a new five-year deal, I think, immediately shipped out of a season loan to West Brom. Is that right that a Premier League club should loan their players to another Premier League club? I don't think it is, no. I, I, I like the loan system more than a lot of people mm. do because I, I think it does help young players and I think it's vital for them to go off uh, into the lower leagues, into the Championship, League One and mm. League Two, and get experience, be blooded in proper senior football and then come back to a team. But I do not like this idea. I think you should be allowed to do it only to a certain age. I, I do not like this idea that you can loan a player to another Premier League club because it really does affect the competition. Joe Hart, man, what's Joe Hart doing going on loan at his age? You know, he should not be going on loan to West Ham and then not allowed to play against Manchester City for two mm. games. It's important. So they're not the only... Chelsea do it a lot, mm. but they're not the no, only club. No, I was trying to make not, a general point. Yeah, they're not know, the yeah. only club who do it. I don't have a problem with it, except for the fact that they can't play against the parent club. Yeah. You know, if, if they get rid of that, then you can see a logic mm. to it. You know, Zuma needs playing time, you know, after his injury. He'll go there, he'll learn from Pulis, because, I mean, you know, uh, no-one defends as beautifully <laughs> as um, West Brom. It's, they're a joy to watch. People say they're boring. Uh, you know, they, when they get six men back and see the way they move, the situational press, and, oh, I love it. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, so he'll go and learn there, and he, he was a bit haphazard as a defender. But, you know what... Not being able to play twice against Chelsea, that's yeah, the scandal. On, on, on Tony Pulis, uh, Frank De Boer wasn't that happy about the way <laughs> they were monstering uh, Wilf Zahar at the weekend. Was water off a duck's back, though, isn't it? It wouldn't be the first time that Tony's yeah. come off a, <laughs> away from a press conference or a game. He actually yeah. sat down for a press conference. Did you <laughs> Did see that? Yeah, yeah. Remarkable. That is the biggest surprise of the summer. Yeah. The, one, the one thing I will, just going back to the, the loan thing, like, a lot of people are getting on the high horse about, oh, Zoom has just signed a, a new five-year deal and then gone out on loan and a couple of the other... From a business perspective, you're not going to say to someone who is in, and I don't know what term of his contract Zuma was in, but particularly any other player, let's say they've only got one year left on the contract, you're not going to send him out on loan and let him have a year performing for somewhere and he can just walk away on a free. It's just, you know, I think clubs get a lot of stick for that, but it's just practicalities of the situation. But there is still a lot of talent going to waste at Chelsea. You know, I looked at Andreas Christensen, who's you know, had a couple of really good years in the Bundesliga, has come back. He hasn't got a scoop. Why, why is that going to waste, job? though, if he's, he's done well at in the Bundesliga? Because, he's gone away because he's, not, he's not playing for Chelsea. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah, that they, they're developing these players for other clubs. Not mm. necessarily if he comes back and he, he then gets his chance. I mean, I think he's Can going to be it? with the first-team squad this season, isn't he? So is he going to get his chance? I mean, look, I, I'll agree with you in, in a year's time if he's been back mm. and he's in the first team but not got a, not got think, a look I in. I think he's a heck of a player. Oh, he's superb! Yeah. I remember when he came to the club. Mourinho was, you know, Mourinho was talking to us. Uh, I don't even know whether he joined under Mourinho. Thinking about it, but he, when he came, the, the, we were talking to Mourinho not long after, and he was saying, "What a great footballer he is!" So there's high hopes for him. But again, I, I I'm, I'm, don't have too much of a problem with players going away and and learning about mm. how how to play the game in different cultures, different mm. countries as well. And he said the same. He needs to play. You know, he yeah. needs to. He needs to yeah. get regular football. Because on a, on that broader issue, Tony. Neymar had played 200 first-team games mm. by the time he was 20. Yeah. Whereas our generation, bits mm. and bobs, you know, even today, uh, one of the most promising new players coming up in this generation, uh, Mason Mount, mm. he's going to sign to do a year in Vitesse in the Eredivisie. Where are our kids going to play? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, in the immediate aftermath of Bosman, it swung the other way, where, you know, the basic logic was get the kids in the team as young as possible because they might leave as soon as they get to 21. So, you know, wring everything out of them. Now, there's so much money and you're buying ready-made players. And it's a struggle for people to come through the youth system. Chelsea, you know, after winning the FA Youth Cup almost every year, you know, it, it's hard to their place to see a route through to the first team. So in that sense, the loan system makes, makes you know, a great deal of sense. However, you know, you, you've got to start producing your own players. Manchester City, for example, the, the, the whole Etihad campus idea was set up to replicate Barcelona and bring players through. And now you see people realising that there's no direct path to the first team. Well, that's interesting because the younger players now are becoming more restless, more militant. You know, you, we had the story at the end of last week about Jaden Sancho mm. turning down £30,000 a week at 17, by the way, because he knows interest from Tottenham, from Arsenal. You know, he's potentially the player of his generation. Yeah. Are we going to see more of that where the younger players are going to be basically beginning to throw their weight about both in a commercial sense and also in a sporting sense. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think we'll see more players saying, "Look, you know, we're not going to have this." But, but it's it's the choice, isn't it? And mm. now I've got no problem with a player signing for Chelsea or Manchester City, Manchester United at a certain age, and then going off on loan to play his game if that's his prerogative, if that's what he wants to do, that's what his family think is is, is a good way of developing his career. But also on the flip side of that, if Jadon Sancho, I think there's interest from uh, Borussia Dortmund as well. I think they're mm. coming quite strong for him. And so the flip side is, if he thinks, well, actually, look, thirty thousand pounds a week, seventeen years old. Thank you very much. That is, that is great money. I'll stay, no problem. But also, if he's willing to back his talent and think to himself, well, actually, you know, I've heard from Arsenal, I've heard from Tottenham, I've heard from Borussia Dortmund. Mm. I back myself to go, and there's, I, I can see a better pathway into the first team there than I can at Manchester City. Then I'll go and do it. And I, I just think, I just think that's when the market forces of the Premier League are actually working at their best. And if mm. if a player has got the um, the attitude and the mentality that he can say to a club, well, look, thanks for everything you've done for me, but realistically, am I going to look at all the players you're buying in my position, am I going to ever make a breakthrough mm. here? Mm. I'd rather go and take my chances and you'll have to buy me back in a, a few years. Because the interesting thing is, had he stayed at Watford, who sold him to Manchester City when he was 14 for £500,000, there's a really good chance he would be playing this season. Oh, without a doubt. And... Um, However, it's probably better for your career and your CVs to go to City. Learn there and then develop. But I do sense there's a growing sort of feeling amongst agents and parents of young players, a growing realisation that there comes a point where they have to play. They can't, mm. they can't mm. stay in the age group games. They need to get into the first teams. I think this is one of the symptoms of it. And we're going to see more and more of it going forward. Um, because you, you play in the age group teams, you get blocked off from the first team and suddenly you're 22-23 and you're going nowhere except to the championship and, and then you can't play against men. We talk mm. about Neymar and, and the fact that he played 200 games uh, before a certain age. You look at Wayne Rooney and the, the first team football he got. Now, I know they're two exceptional talents and, mm. and not many players have talents like that, but you can still go and play you know, if you've got a degree of talent and, and you're an 18-year-old footballer, you can still go and play in League 2, League 1 and by the time you get to 20, 21, you should have developed. If you're going to develop, mm. then you should have done, re yeah. regardless of where where you're playing. Whether you, and, and particularly, you know, as, as uh, Tony says, when you're not just in and around a first team academy and campus and, and not actually getting proper match football. Yeah, because we do live in an age where young players are being increasingly hyped. And let's hands up, 
you know, we mm. probably do our fair share of hyping, don't we? Mm. Phil Foden had one admittedly hugely impressive performance in a friendly in the Manchester Derby in the States. The next thing you know, there are YouTube compilations, 84 things you ever wanted to know about Phil Foden on one game. Isn't that a symptom, one, of an overheated industry, but two, a symbol of the dangers of pre-season matches? People read too much into it. Without a doubt, without a doubt. But on the other side of it, the talk coming out of City for a long time has he been was the one. Foden's mm. ability and brilliance. And clearly, you know, he's got a great passing range. He's got a, a, you know, his movements superb, and the, the, they're really excited about him. I mean, it, it, it's typical, you know. Whether whether it's Foden or a transfer target from the continent, the minute they get mentioned and linked with first-team football, suddenly everyone's writing 5,000 words on them and, you know, how they'll fit into the team and there's YouTube compilations set to really bad music <laughs> which only show, you know, they don't show where the ball goes after. What would, you, what would you, your backing music be, Tony? What would my back... Psycho Killer. <laughs> <laughs> and a defensive one. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's a little bit of overhype there but I think he's a genuine talent yeah. and he is the likeliest of City's group of kids to get into the first team and you know uh, uh, David Silver's 31 now and you know can't go on forever and he's at the right age to develop brought Bernardo Silver in well there is that <laughs> <laughs> but what, you know, what about Foden you know, the one thing that I hear from people around City is that he's very emotionally mature mm. and that's exactly what you need if you're a young mm. player you need to have that hardness about you but also you need to be almost like emotionally intelligent to know where yeah, you are. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, it's a great trait to have. And uh, but, you know, I, I I worry about these players as well. Mm -hmm. I actively worry about them, of course. But I, you know, when you hear when you hear conversations like this, and oh, he's going to be the next big thing, we don't know and, until he's actually played thirty eight games of a Premier League season, even twenty games of a Premier League season. We just don't know. Like mm -hmm. he could he could sh uh, stand out at, in, at the academy level. He could stand out for England under nineteens, England under twenties, even the twenty ones. But it, you know, until he's been in that first team environment, do we know if he's really going to make it? Mm. City throwing the money around yet again. Bernard Mendy, this week's record transfer. Mm. Is that a good deal for them? Uh, there's, there's Just a, the usual 50 million. There's a little bit of a sense of panic as we get near to the season and the fact that like they haven't really got a defence. So, you know, they're overpaying madly and I expect to see a little bit more of us uh, as we go into it. I mean, Mendy's quick, he gets forwards. He could probably play in the midfield, couldn't he? And so, you know, he could keep Pep's dream of having a, a team of midfielders and attackers going. Um, I, I think they've overpaid a little bit there. Yeah. I think when you look at Walker, I mean, you know, he can do it in the Premier League. He's done it week in, week out, and has been a very, mm. very good footballer. Um, really grown in the last couple of years. But with Mendy, again, you know, it comes back to this. It's different doing it in Ligue 1 than it is mm. doing it in the Premier League. Mm. Mm. With City, you know, Pep has already said that he would favour the transfer window closing the moment the season starts. That, to me, sounds logical. Yeah. Now, mm. logic hasn't got much to do with modern football. Do you agree with him? Yeah, I do. I think it should be closed the day before uh, the first game. I think it should probably close. Whereas you have to register by 12 o'clock, don't mm. you, on, on, by noon the day before a game for it to uh, go through. And I, I think, yeah, I think the, the cut-off point has to be that. I mean, it's, I, I, mean, I don't even think there's the excitement there, is there, in, in, that there was in years gone by with deadline day either. I mean, it was a great 
marketing tool uh, at the time, but I think uh, when, when was the last real blockbusting move going through on deadline day that you you know you just mm. didn't see coming? Because it is getting well. a bit ho hum, isn't it? Oh, there's another fifty million pounds being spent. You know, well, that's probably why we began the show by talking about two hundred million pounds and, mm. and Neymar mm. because. You have to have that type of hype. The and, headline number. Yeah, mm. you know, to get our interest. Can I just look at goalkeepers very quickly? Because they've not really been affected by this inflation spiral mm. as much as outfield players. I know it's, we've talked about pre-season, you shouldn't really read too much into it. But if I were Pep Guardiola, I'd be very nervous looking at Edison in that first game against United. Uh, are you sure the, um, the, 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 they haven't been affected by the inflation? Because looking at that, I thought, that's, a, that that's an awful lot of right. money they yeah, paid yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah and, and it's difficult. I mean, he's very young, and I mean, we all know that De Gea had such a. Well, he had an adjustment period, let's mm. say, mm. as he got used to the Premier League, and Edison might suffer a similar thing. You know, on the first evidence, you know, and we're terrible for condemning people <laughs> at the first sign. It, it, it looks another Manchester City goalkeeping catastrophe. And um, and who of us wouldn't be amused by that? Yeah. On the other side, Chesney, who, mm. you know, has been away in Italy for two years, had the highest number of clean sheets in Serie A with Roma last season, has just been shipped out to Juventus for loose change, £10 million. Are you surprised that Arsenal let him go so quickly? Uh, I'm not surprised now, really, no. Um, I, I thought it was a mistake when, when they shipped him off a couple of years ago, yeah. I mean, I think, look, he's, he's not as good a goalkeeper as uh, Peter Cech. Mm. I think there are better young talents out there in the Premier League now than, than Chesney. You know, I'm thinking of the likes of Jack Butland, who I, I know mm. Arsenal have had a look at. You know, would, would they be better off making a move for someone like him? And So I, I don't think now, but I think a few years ago, I, I never understood why Chesney didn't get the, the chance that he got. I mean, look, we know he, he likes a Siggy. He can be a little bit mischievous. I mean, he's an absolutely great lad, by the way, when you interview mm. him as well or when you spend a little bit of time in his company. But a, a real character, so it's, he's, I think he's a sad loss to, to the Premier League. But I think, for now, I understand why they've let him go. There was also a sneaking suspicion that he would have been a much better goalkeeper with two solid centre-halves in front of him. <laughs> yeah, more, than, more than a sneaking suspicion. Yeah. If you look at Ross Barkley, Tony, it's obvious that he's not, his face doesn't fit anymore at Everton. Mm. Has he got delusions of grandeur asking for 100 grand a week? Should he, if Spurs are interested, and it seems that there is some degree of interest. He's got delusions asking Spurs for 100 grand. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, he should, he should walk to White Hart Lane, shouldn't he? Well, he should. Or do. Wembley. Uh, he should do. I mean, he's not quite fulfilled his talents. He had to seal them, and he stayed there. Um, you can see all the raw materials there, but I wonder whether, and I know that Koeman does, whether he's got the football intellect to actually, you know, play for a top-class team. So, yeah, if I was him, I'd take the chance and I'd go to Tottenham. Uh, given that they haven't exactly padded the squad out, mm. uh, he'd be more than a squad player and he'd get a fair amount of playing time with good players alongside him. Mm. I think that one goes through. I just think that's one of the ones that we have to wait until the third or fourth week of August for it to happen. But mm. I, I just in, in, in Levy time. In Levy time, yeah. And mm. I mean, interesting that uh, other clubs have been linked with him. I think United were linked with him uh, this weekend, weren't they, as well? And maybe even Arsenal, which would be quite cute from uh, representatives or from well, even from the selling club trying to uh, hurry it along. But I, uh, I think, yeah. I, I was going to say, that to those, those sort of links never seem to come from Old Trafford or the Emirates <laughs> to the, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> Let's look elsewhere. West Ham. Now, mm. I think they bought well 
in Hernandez. I can see him getting goals for them. Mm. I'm not so sure about Arnautovic. 25 million plus another 26 million in wages. He seems to me to be a, a one in four type mm. player. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the issues with him. He's another one whose demeanour on the pitch sometimes makes you wonder about his mentality. They've been desperate to get someone up front, you know, for, for a long time. And it seems an awful lot of money, but I think that's another symptom of... I mean, I'd see him as a 10 million player. Another mm. symptom of this mad inflation that we've, mm. we've just seen. You know, I, I think Hernandez has scored goals, you know, everywhere, you know, and, he, and he's just got that knack. The other parts of his game may need improving, and he has that horrible tendency to stray offside too often. But who cares when he's scoring goals? Mm. But, uh, well, and he can, you know, you, you can see why one of the primary motivations of him coming back to England are £140,000 a week. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, did you, I don't know if you saw that stat that was flying around last, last week about um, West Ham, 31 strikers since 2010. Oh dear, that it, tells yeah. you everything you need to know, yeah. doesn't it? Some, some great names on the list there. Even now, even even after they played for them, you oh, had no yeah. idea who they were. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Tony, uh, sadly. Um, <laughs> that I think Arnautovic and I think you said Mike, one in four player, maybe a little bit better than that, maybe one and a half or two <laughs> in four. But he, he, he could be a very good signing if they can get him firing all the way through the season. But I think Hernandez, I think at £16 million, when you see 75 million for Lukaku mm. you see 65 or 67 million for Morata to get him for 16 million pounds Hernandez someone mm. who has scored goals in every country he's played football in and, and will continue to do it for West Ham mm. I think uh, I think that's a great sign mm. let's look at what's going on in France Chelsea are supposedly in for the Nice defender uh, Malang Sarr who I have to admit I've never seen play or not consciously anyway mm. you know Watford had a 12 million uh, euro offer for the Lyon striker Cornet rejected. Is that market ever going to be exhausted? It seems logically that it should soon. Well, well, I mean, obviously there'll be players at the top end who will be worth buying, but there are no bargains there anymore, are there? Mm. You know, and it's been a long time since the bargains there. I think that there's a lot of wishful thinking. I mean, the whole Graham Kerr at Newcastle. You know, it's, oh, yeah, I've found a market, an untapped market. Well, not really. I think that there's very few players there who you can get at a reasonable price who will have the ability to make the transition to the Premier League in terms of pace and physicality. Well, the one thing you have to say about the, the French market is because it has been plundered over the years, they've had to keep bringing through young talent mm. and giving chances. I mean, look at Monaco. They're going to have to bring in yeah. five new well, players this season, there is basically the last person out of uh, yeah. the stadium turn out yeah, the lights. Switch, yeah, switch, switch the uh, casino lights off and everything. Mm. But but they're, they're going to have to keep giving chances to young lads. And because these young players are getting their chances and playing regular first-team football, they are benefiting from it. And mm. the Premier League, are, Premier League clubs are now looking at them and saying, well, they've proved they can do it. So let's give them a go. I mean, you're absolutely right. It won't, you know, you can't keep uh, fetching coal out of the same mine forever, can you? But mm. it, it, it um, you know, it has been a very happy hunting ground, and uh, I think we'll see for the next couple of years at least. I still think we'll see uh, Premier League clubs going and signing some very good players from France. Mm. When we look at Premier League clubs, we've always talked about player power. Are we at the time now where that's just beginning to change quite subtly, so that we've had? For instance, Liverpool not being able to get hold of Cater. Mm. They're probably going to have to wait to get him for £48 million this time next year. Where clubs are basically have got the inclination now to put their foot down and say, you're staying here, mate. 
Well, there's a small group of clubs who can't be financially bullied too far. All the Premier League clubs should be in there. Uh, but, but the reality is, in the end, uh, so the real politic will kick in. If a player wants to leave and he wants to leave badly enough, it makes sense for the club to let him go and take the money. And so in that sense, player power hasn't gone away. It depends on your status as a player. I mean, obviously, you've got to be in demand and you've, you've got to have that ability to force a move, but that will happen as long as the game exists. Mm. Mm. Do you think, Tom, that players will basically begin to move much more now? There'll be a churn rate. So a bit like managers who, who only last one or two years at a club, do you think... Players will start to do that. Yeah, I don't think, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because I, I think it keeps players fresh, you know, and keeps them, mm. them hungry. I mean, there will be there'll be the odd the odd player who you know the odd Steven Gerrard who stays at a club his entire life. The odd John Terry. No, Terry's now now moved on, but he'll forever be a Chelsea mm. player, won't he? Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just think the business side of it is so huge and, and this isn't new this has been the case for years but it, it's reaching such an unprecedented level now that it, it doesn't just work for the player to move on after two or three years it works for the clubs it works for the agent mm. it works for everybody involved because you know a player moves from one super club to another I mean look look at let's look at Paul Pogba's deal 89 million pounds how quickly let's spread that over five years how quickly have Manchester United earned that money back just by the merchandising rights alone for, for selling shirts with Paul Pogba. So if they were to let him go in a couple of years' time to, say, a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a PSG, then they would make their money back on him in no time. Pogba's getting paid well, the agent's getting paid well. So it's just going to work for, every, you know, whatever level you're at, it, it's just going to work. So, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we'll see, we'll see two or three years at a club and then move mm. on. Mm. Whereas Mourinho is talking with tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> one suspects, about staying for 15 years. Who do you think he is? <laughs> Alex Ferguson. <laughs> now, that's one thing you can't see happening. Um, well, you know, you, you know what Jose, I'd say 70% of the time he speaks with forked tongue. Um, <laughs> you really can't see it. I mean, let's face it, last season he was on the brink. He was brought in as a, a quick fix and it looked for a long time as if he wasn't going to get that fix and as it turns out they were the most successful team in the, the country you know two trophies and Champions League qualification so you can't argue with was, that Was it Dave Kidd who made the point that 15 years is a hefty hotel bill isn't it if he stays <laughs> up <and> yes. <laughs> but it, it, you know I, I remember sitting at Mourinho's uh, one of his early press conferences in his second spell at Chelsea and him saying I want to be here for 10 years I'm sure he does you know I'm sure as we sit here right now and Mourinho is asleep in whatever time zone he's on at the moment I'm sure he is thinking, sitting there thinking actually I would quite like to be at United in 10 years time but he knows as well as we do that it just won't happen because it, as we've just said football has changed so much and well, well even even that you saw him enough last year he he didn't appear to be enjoying himself, does he? <laughs> mm. He didn't have his old bounce about him. You know, he's like, life seemed to be a struggle at, at those United press conferences. And you think to yourself, you know, this fella's, this, this fella's not enjoying it. I mean, he might now that they've won two say, trophies. He ought, to, uh, he ought to be enjoying uh, it in this season, didn't he? I mean, and we, we know how well Jose Mourinho does traditionally in his second season mm, as well. Mm. So it is going to be fascinating, given the fact that he's, you know, he, he, ca he cannot now say that this is not his squad. You know, mm. he is, he's shaped it, he's moulded it, he's got some big players in, a couple of players. Has he got to win the title this season? No, I don't think he's got to win it. I think Ed Woodward, you're not going to get to the level of business that Ed Woodward and, and the Glazers have got to without having some sort of, you know, yes, aim high, but there's got to be some realism that United aren't the only club spending mm. that money. But I think I think anything other than 
top three, maybe even top two, uh, and, and it will be deemed an absolute failure. And I also think it depends on the points gap. I mean, what, what was, was it about 24 points between them mm. and Chelsea? I, I think they've got to be within three or four points maximum of whoever wins this season. I think they've got to put on a title challenge. Yeah. Don't necessarily have to win it yeah. on a challenge. I just want to end with um, an unsung English manager, Graham Potter, manages Ostersund, who beat Galatasaray in the Europa League last week. Fantastic achievement. He studied at Leeds, got an MA in leadership and emotional intelligence. He talks about developing footballers as open-minded human beings. Is he long for this world? Nah, it's never going to work. You know what's really sad? There's people like him, there's people like Paul Tisdale, who coach and manage in a different way and do treat players as human beings and, and have communication. And they're successful within the small terms they're in. And actually, when you look at it, the clubs they're working at, they've been really successful doing better than they've ever done before. But because they're a big club, we ignore them. I actually think that way of managing and coaching will at some point in the future become more popular and, and, and I think it works mm. and you look at the states you know in the NFL NBA you know, Greg Popovich the you know, great mm. coach there is talking about creating people mm. Yeah, I, I mean, they're nice sound bites, aren't they? But I, I, I don't believe that someone like Mourinho can be as successful as he's been without treating people, 23 members of his squad perhaps, as, as adults, as human beings. And, you know, you speak to so many players and they'll say, yeah, look, he was hard on me, he worked me hard, but he, he was an amazing manager to work for. So, I, yeah, I, I think, look, I, I would agree to, a, to an extent with you, but I, I just think... I think the most important thing is... You know, sort of work into the psychology of a group, and yeah. understanding who needs to, yeah. who needs to be hauled over the coals, and who needs, who needs an arm, arm round. Yeah. 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 Memo to managers everywhere: When the pressure bites, try a little tenderness. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.